Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Bill's Facebook Studies. It is Tuesday afternoon in Tyler, Texas. We're having a warm week of late winter, uh, a little bit of taste of spring, although we're not there yet. We'll still get some more cold temps, but it's a little warmish in northeast Texas this week. And I'm kind of a summer weather guy, so I'm okay with that. But I know that uh, a lot of people, including the woman that I live with and have for a long time, 45 plus years, uh, she likes it cold in the winter. So uh, we're going to get some more of that, I am sure. Um, today's lesson is, uh, is, is, a, is a great one. Uh, these few uh, days of reading, the last week or so, there were a few of those days that talked specifically from Oswald Chambers' book, My Utmost for His Highest, about dealing with depression and despair and uh, trying to do that according to God's will. And so one of my favorite stories about this is one that he quotes from, uh, and that's the story of uh, Elijah in, uh, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, so I hope that, uh, that this will help you. I hope that it will give you some encouragement today, whether you're a little bit down in the mouth or not, because if you're not today, you will be one day. And for the most of us, that day is typically something that is just reacting to some certain situations. In Elijah's case, he went from a great mountain peak experience, literally, when he killed off hundreds of false prophets of Baal, the Canaanite god, and, uh, and then was threatened by the king of uh, king and queen of Israel, and, and that was more than he could take, and it sent him spiraling down. Um, and I think for some of us, there's a chemical depression that is there, a more of, um, of a long-term thing, and that requires uh, medical help, and it requires probably some medication as well. And I don't, I, I want you to, to talk to your doctor if this is something that you have been experiencing over the long haul, then definitely talk to a doctor. I'm not talking about that. I'm not trying to take the place of that. But there are some things where just in our normal everyday lives, some days are tougher than other days. And sometimes we, uh, we go through that uh, valley of despair and depression. And how do we get out of it? Well, I think, um, I think Oswald Chambers has some uh, interesting things to say about it. And one of the first things he says is not all initiative, the willingness to take the first step is inspired by God. <laughs> you know, there are some people that will just say, you know, suck it up and get going. Well, maybe sometimes we need to hear that, but not all the time. Sometimes that's not the message that God is trying to get us. So it takes discernment. We want to know which is the voice from the Lord and and which is good counsel, and which is just somebody that doesn't really get where we are. We don't want to use that as an excuse to stay down when we need to actually get up and do something. But that's not always the right solution. So let first of all, by saying, you know, there's some, not all the voices we hear are from God. So let's be aware of that and not check our brain at the door and practice some discernment. Look at the Word of God, get counsel from people that we trust, and, uh, and then seek the help that we need, and whether it's encouragement from a friend or a visit with uh, the doctor. Um, Chambers writes this, we all have many dreams and aspirations when we're young, but sooner or later we realize that we, we really don't have the power to accomplish all of them. And then he says this, we cannot do the things we long to do, 
So our tendency is to think of our dreams and aspirations as dead. But God comes and says to us, arise from the dead. I just love that quote because I think that's what God does. And we feel that way sometimes. Elijah, as we're going to see, uh, certainly felt that way. In chapter 18 of 1 Kings, um, Elijah had had this great victory over the prophets of Baal, an, an amazing display of God's power. And then Queen Jezebel threatened him, the beginning of chapter 19, and he ran for his life. It's as if that, that whole experience had not taken place. And so he runs away from Queen, Isabel, uh, Queen Jezebel and King Ahab, and, uh, and he is just really, really down. Uh, he takes off running, and uh, God comes to him, and God says, what's, what's going on, Elijah? And Elijah says, you know, I've done everything in the world I can to, to serve the Lord, and uh, they have killed all of the prophets, and now they're trying to kill me, and I'm the only one left. Well, it's interesting how God interacts with Elijah in 1 Kings 19, because he, uh, he has him rest, he sleeps, he lets him sleep, and then he kind of pokes him and wakes him up and, and has him walk. He goes on a long journey and walks, gets plenty of exercise, in other words. Uh, he has him eat something, uh, and he has him rest and sleep. All of the things that we know, if it's a situational depression, again, if it's a clinical depression, you're going to need probably some medication because there's something unbalanced inside of you. But if it's just something where you're feeling down, then these are the kinds of things that people tell us, get a good night's sleep. Uh, eat, eat a good meal, not a bad fast food meal, but eat a, eat a good meal. Eat something that's good for you. Uh, get some rest, you know, have a good sleep and maybe do some exercise. But then uh, God also has him do something else after he appears to him with that still small voice. You remember that great story, that gentle whisper, um, not in the loud earthquake, not in the wind, not in the fire, none of those things. But in that, in that gentle whisper, that still small voice that just terrifies Elijah, uh, God comes to him and he says, what are you doing, Elijah? And, and Elijah tells him, you know, they've, they've killed everybody else and now they're coming for me and I'm the only one left. And, and God says, well, okay, here's the thing. I want you to go and I want you to go here and I want you to uh, anoint this man as king of Israel and I want you to anoint this man as king of Syria and I want you to anoint Elisha to take your place as prophet. And, and so God not only has him rest and has him eat something and has him sleep and has him exercise walking a lot, he also gives him some tasks, a few tasks to do and, and he says, I, I want you to, to do those things, accomplish those things. And that's important for us, too, to, you know, don't be, don't be intimidated by the big, long list of all the things you have or that one thing that's going to take forever to accomplish. But break it down. Break it down to a, a few manageable tasks that, that you can accomplish in, in a little bit shorter term that can help you on that path towards the, the longer term things. And realize that that's, that's going to help. That's going to help. And, and that's what God told Elijah to do. But he also told him, and I've reserved 7,000 people who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You're not the only one left. And so when God comes along and he says, arise and eat, and he says, get up and go do this, then we know that that's the time to take the initiative. How do we know that that's the voice of God, Bill? Well, I think you do a lot of praying. You do a lot of Bible reading. You Again, you talk to some trusted individuals, uh, get good counsel. And, uh, and then when you know that it's time to go, you do that. 
And sometimes, like with Elijah, it's just an ordinary thing. It's not anything great big. It's not any big, real stop the world, stop the presses. Interesting, Elijah had done that in chapter 18 when he defeated the prophets of Baal. And yet here he was in the midst of despair and depression, and God just tells him, hey, get, a, get some rest. Hey, uh, eat something. Hey, uh, take a walk, a long walk. Walk here. Uh, get some exercise. And, and do these three or four things to, to get you back on your feet. And, and look, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's a lot of people out there that are following God. Sometimes we feel that way. We're right there with Elijah. But it's just not the case. Uh, it, it's just not the case. Depression, they, uh, Chambers writes, tends to turn us away from the everyday things of God's creation. But whenever God steps in, his inspiration is to do the most natural, simple things, things we would never have imagined God was in, but as we do them, we find him there. Um, my dear friend and co-minister, uh, Davy Carter, is sharing uh, this week from a book about slowing down and, and being willing to uh, lead more of an unhurried life. It's a great, great study. And, and that's one of the things that we do. We, we, we try to stop and we see God at work. And we see the evidence that God is still uh, with us. Uh, we talk about depression and we talk about despair. You know, times when things don't work out as, as we thought that they would. And uh, interestingly enough, there is a, a, a great event at the, towards the end of Jesus' life. Uh, when all of a sudden the disciples are, are hearing Jesus uh, say, look, we've got to we've got to go into the garden and do some heavy praying because it's going to be bad. And he tells them, you know, you're all going to leave me. You're all going to forsake me. And they, of course, all deny them. Peter, the the most vociferous about it, and then denies him three times. And Jesus says, you're all going to forsake me, but but I, I want you to be pray, prayerful tonight. And so while he's praying, they are sleeping. <laughs> And he comes back to them, and, and uh, he's basically telling them, look, um, it, it's time to go. When they, after that uh, third time, he, he's been off to pray, and, and he says, look, it, it's time to go. It's time to go. The time for, for praying is past. It's now time to act. Uh, let us go forward. And they, they won't get those hours back where they could have been praying. But Jesus says, that's okay. Let's start where we are. I think that's one of the great things about our God. Even though we have messed up in the past, uh, he takes us where we are and he says, okay, here's this new reality. Here's what the situation is now based on your actions and the actions of others. And, and let's go forward from here. And I think that's what Jesus is telling his disciples. Uh, they had gone to sleep instead of watching with Jesus but as uh, uh, Chambers writes, he says, Our Lord came to them taking the spiritual initiative against their despair and said, in effect, get up and do the next thing. I love that quote. It's a quote that Sarah Young has in one of her devotional days uh, in uh, her book, Jesus Calling, a very wonderful book that I've read through a few times as my daily devotion, not this year, but in previous years. And one of the great passages that I've marked and that I try to remind myself of regularly is, is where she talks about that and then she says, and then go do the next thing. And I think that's, that helps us get through the despair and depression we feel. Just, just go do the next thing. Don't try to do everything. 
don't try to do that thing that is impossible to do right now until you can be better prepared for it or, or do a, several other things that lead you to that. But just do the next thing. Just do the next thing. Just knock that thing off, off your list um, that's coming up next. Never let the sense of past failure defeat your next step. Don't quit. Never, ever, ever, ever quit, as Sir Winston Churchill uh, said in a wonderfully famous uh, speech. Um, you know, we think of John 13, and uh, Chambers quotes that, mentions that chapter. And John 13 is the one where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And he recognizes that he's come from the Father, and he's going back to the Father. He knows exactly who he is. And so it's no hit on his self-esteem to take off his clothes and wrap a towel around him and get a, a, a big basin of water and go from one stinky disciple's foot to the next, washing the feet of those men who within hours were going to say that they never knew him and run away, run away. And even Judas Iscariot, who would betray him, was still in the room and Jesus washed his feet. Uh, it, it's, it's, it seems like a little thing a lot of times when God has us do something, and yet it's such a big, big thing. And Jesus applies it, as you know, in John 13, towards the end of the chapter, he says, look, or at the end of this section, he says, look, you call me Lord and Master, and you're right, that's what I am. He, he's already said that, he knew he was. But he says, so if I, your Lord and Master, have done this for you, you also need to do this for others, for each other and for others. We accept, expect him to say, since I did this for you, you ought to do it for me, but that's not what he says. He says, since I've done it for you, you need to do this for others. Um, and it seems like a little thing. It seems like a small thing. It's drudgery, as Chambers says. Um, but that's when our lights can really shine, when we do the, the little seemingly menial tasks, meaningless tasks, it seems, and yet they have such an impact. Chambers writes, it may be a very common everyday task, but after we've seen it done, it becomes different. When the Lord does something through us, he always transforms us. And nothing, nothing is drudgery when you're doing it for the Lord. Um, he has some comments about, about daydreaming versus, uh, versus real meditation. And, um, and, and again, there are times when Jesus says, okay, get up and go. Let's go. Just like he did the disciples at the end of his prayer time in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Jesus is not impressed with idle daydreaming, but he does want us to take some time. As we've been reading and, and hearing from our brother Davy Carter in our staff devotionals this month, he does want us to spend some time in thoughtful meditation and refreshing times where we can, um, in the solitude, hear the voice of God as he gives us encouragement through his spirit. It doesn't take the place of the word. It's not going to violate or contradict the Bible. We know that. But there is that Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that stirs us on and that convicts us and that gives us the encouragement, the presence of God when we need it. Chambers says, allow God to be the source of all your dreams, joys, and delights. And then be careful to go and obey what he has said, right? We need to hear that sometimes, don't we? Uh, it's, we're all about going ahead and, and saying all these things. But then when we hear Jesus saying, as I've washed your feet, now you go wash each other's feet. We're 
we're not so quick to do that. Um, you know, if uh, Chambers writes, if you're in love with someone, you don't sit and daydream about that person all the time. You go and you do something for them. <laughs> that is what Jesus Christ expects of us. Daydreaming after God has spoken is an indication that we don't trust him. Meditating on God's word and on the beautiful blessing of our salvation in Jesus Christ, that's a good thing. But if it leads us into just sitting there idly daydreaming instead of doing what that meditation and that word of God has called us to do, well, then it hasn't made its quite full effect. So as we think about the despair and depression and um, uh, times when we seem to be idle and we're just not sure what the future holds, those are the times where we lean on God. We lean on his word. We look to his word, the Bible, for guidance in our lives. And we hear the stories of people like Elijah and the, the, the apostles and times when they were at the pit of despair as well, and yet they were able to be responsive to God's call uh, to do the things that we need to do, to do the next thing, and then to keep doing the next thing so that we can accomplish the great things for God. I hope that if you need help, you'll reach out and get it, whether it's help from a friend, help from a, a, a medical professional or a counselor, um, help from the Lord God in prayer. Whatever it is that you need, my friend, I hope that you find it. Because God doesn't want us to stay in that pit of despair. By the way, that's what the Allens call it when you're in a cell phone place that there's no surface. It's the pit of despair. But you know, even when we're driving and we're on the phone and, and we go through the pit of despair and we lose that call, we, we come out of it. We come out of it. And that service is restored and that communication is opened once again. Do the next thing. And then after that, do the next thing. I pray God's blessing upon you, and I'll see you uh, on Thursday. God bless.